0: The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Do you know as a pastor, one of my greatest desires is to see you successful. I I rejoice when I see people finding success. I really rejoice I rejoice when you do well. I love it when I hear good news stories. I love it when miracles come to your house. I love it when provision comes to your house. I love it. And so Anne and I are committed to your success. That's part of the deal. And um, we, we want everything that we do here to bring success into your life. And so... I'm committing myself afresh to your success. I'm committing myself afresh to your success in every area of life. If I can help you be successful, whether it be in your life, whether it be in your business, whether it be in your family, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be in your career, whether it be in your ministry, whatever I can do, I want you to be successful. Because believe it or not, your success is my success. And that's the case with, with life. When you have children, your kid's success is your success. And that's the way that you feel when you love somebody, their success is your success. And so you rejoice with people. I, I, I love rejoicing when people are blessed. I don't get it. I don't get it why people don't rejoice. I don't get it, you know, it should have been me. I don't get it. It's, to me, it doesn't make sense. When people are successful, when people are blessed, when people are prosperous, I rejoice. To me, jealousy is not part of the fruit of the Spirit. Matter of fact, it's rejoicing with those who rejoice. That is part of what godliness is all about. And so I'm just saying afresh, I'm committing myself for your success. And so what I want to do today is share with you what I consider the two most important principles for you to be successful. How many of you want to be successful? Give me a wave if you want to be successful. Okay, well, here it is. The two most important principles. And, uh, and so I'm going to give you a Bible story where these principles are evidenced, and then I'll explain them to you. Are you ready? The Bible story is found in John chapter 9. I love this. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who... Sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind. Now, let's press pause for a second because that in itself is an interesting question to ask. And 2,000 years ago, people believed that there was a reason for everything. So, if a bad thing happened to somebody, there was a reason behind it. How many of you know that even today, we call this, the world calls it karma, whatever that means. But there's, there's, this, there's this mindset that says if something bad happens to you, it's because you did something bad, and so the disciples two thousand years ago, they were trained in that belief system. If something bad happens to you, it's because you did something bad, and so this was their question. You know, hey, this guy's born blind. That's pretty bad. So whose sin? Did he sin? What in the womb. Yeah, yeah, you really get up to a lot of mischief in there. Ah, my goodness. All sorts of uh, hanky-panky happening in the womb. Who sinned, him or his parents? And then Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. In other words, sometimes bad things happen without there being a reason. Sometimes stuff happens in life. And we have to accept it as just stuff happens and then do what needs to happen with the stuff that happens rather than try to work out the blame game. And so just relax about the blame game. You know, hey, let me just say here that sometimes bad things happen as a consequence of you making bad decisions. But if you can see that, it's obvious. If you can't see it, then don't get into the blame game. That's all I'm saying. Don't, don't think for one minute that if you contract cancer, it's because you did something bad. I tell you, I, or if you don't get healed, it's because you don't have any faith. You know Why is it that we have to give people explanations for everything that happens in life? Sometimes things happen in life and there's no explanation. The story is, okay, let's deal with it now. We don't know why. If it's clear why, then we can deal with it. But if it's not clear why, we've got the scenario. Let's deal with the scenario, okay? Let me press play now on what I was doing. So then he goes, uh, Neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me whilst it is day, and the night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things... He spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes opened? And this is what he said. He answered them and said, a man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Wow, what a great story. I love stories with a happy ending, and this story certainly has a happy ending. So this is the story of a man who was born blind, that got healed, and ended up seeing. And the, the story is the story of process, the process involved in him getting healed. And so then John, the Apostle John, tells the story of how this guy gets healed, now can I just say that Jesus did something that I don't normally do, okay? I don't normally spit. How many of you know that it's in Australia it's quite offensive to spit now in some countries I've been there and you've got to dodge the spitballs you know sort of you just got to look where you look you just got to walk where you're looking. but here's Jesus, the Son of God, and John tells the story that he sees this blind man and he spits on the ground. I mean, how many of you know that's offensive to start with, spitting? Then the second thing that Jesus does is that he bends down and starts playing with the spitball. How many of you know that's incredibly offensive? It's one thing to spit on the ground. It's another thing to start playing with a spitball. How many parents we got here? How many of you parents, if you saw your son spitting on the ground and then playing with the spitball, would you say, you were just like Jesus. <laughs> How many would say that? <laughs> no, you be, yeah. Now, now that you've heard my story, you would say, yep, you're just like. But then here's the third thing. It's, then, then, then Jesus gets the spitball with the mud and he goes to a blind man who's just sitting there innocently, not seeing anything. And the next thing you know, whack, whack. There's two muddy spitballs in his eye. How many of you say gross? Yeah. How many of you know that there is cause for offense right there? Can you, I mean, this is it. Never going back to that church again. I went to that church as a blind man. Here I am blind, not knowing what's going on. And all of a sudden the pastor spits on the ground, makes spitball and sticks it in my eye. You think I'm going back to that church? No way, baby opportunity to get offended. So here he is, you know, just nice and placid with spit and mud and dirt in his eyes. I'm not talking about nice, gentle, little. I'm talking about just plastered. But when Jesus does it, it's not plastering spitballs into a blind man's eyes. It's anointing. It's anointed his eyes. And so then Jesus says, okay, now you on your own devices... Go to the Pool of Siloam and wash the spit and mud that I've just stuck into your eyes. Well, I'm not going to go all the way to the Pool. Because let me tell you, the distance for him to travel to the Pool of Siloam was somewhere between 500 metres to a a kilometre. And he had to make his way as a blind man with spit in his eyes, mud in his eyes, to the Pool of Siloam to wash. And you know what? He did that. He did exactly as was told. You know, the amazing thing is the Pool of Siloam is means sent, and here it is I love the the rhythm of this because it was like he was sent and he went, he was sent and he went, he was sent and he went, and the Bible tells us that when he got to the pool of Salome and he did exactly what Jesus said, he washed that spit that mud out of his eyes as soon as he did that he received his sight, he was healed, the blind man could see, and it amazed everybody, it amazed every, everybody, matter of fact, people were so amazed, they didn't even recognize him, is this, is this the same guy? No, it can't be, no, it must be someone like him, because the guy that we know can't see, this guy can't, what is going on? And he says, I'm the man, I'm the man who was blind, but now I can see, what happened? Jesus healed me. And I love, I love the way he tells the story. He says, a man called Jesus made clay anointed my eyes. He does not mention the spit. He does not mention the spitball. He made clay anointed my eyes. He just wasn't even going to go close to a fence. He was just going to make the story as positive as possible. Let me tell you the two principles in this story that are the two principles for success. Just two simple principles. One's called obedience. The other is called faith. And the two are connected. Obedience and faith. How are they connected? Well, sometimes it's very difficult to obey if you don't have faith. It's very difficult. But something in this man believed that God's word was true. And so rather than preempting the miracle by taking the spit off his face before he got to the pool of Siloam, The deal was, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And when you get there and you wash, you'll be healed. So faith says, I'll do that. If Jesus said it, it settles it for me. I'll do that. So he would have bypassed other buckets of water. He would have bypassed other fountains. He would have bypassed... His whole perspective and objective was to go to where Jesus commanded him to go. And he had faith enough to not preempt... He had faith enough to not disobey. He had faith enough to believe that when he went to the Pool of Siloam and when he washed there, he would be healed. Obedience and faith. So let me talk to you about these two principles, obedience and faith. Because as I said earlier on, they are the two most important principles in your success, obedience and faith. And can I just say that Ann and I have taken these two principles and established them in our lives from the day that we got married, from the day that we entered into ministry. And we're about to celebrate our 35th wedding anniversary. We're about to celebrate 35 years in ministry. And these two principles are the foundation stones of our lives and of our ministry. And 35 years later, we can say any success that we've had is based on these two principles, obedience and faith. So obedience is simply believing that when God says it, I'm just going to obey it. I'm just going to obey it. I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to obey it. We spend so much time fighting God rather than obeying God. How many of you remember the story of Joshua coming into the promised land? You know the story in the Old Testament? Moses took them out of Egypt crossed the Red Sea, took them through the wilderness for 40 years. Then they're about to enter the promised land. And God says, Moses, you're not going to take the people in Joshua is. So Joshua gets the mantle. And then in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, why don't you read it with me? Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. God speaks to Joshua and says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And so right here it was, as they're about to enter into the promised land, God gives Joshua the principle of success and it's connected to obedience to God's word. Now, can I just say to you that obedience is really difficult if you don't understand the character of God. It's really hard to obey God if you don't understand the character of God. But when you understand the character of God, obedience becomes so much easier. So can I tell you one of the ploys of the enemy? One of the ploys of the enemy is to slander the character of God. To make you think for that, 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 you know what? you know, God doesn't want your best. God's not on your side. God's out to manipulate you. God's out to rip you off. And so if you believe that, then there's no way you're going to obey God. You're going to make your own decisions. You're going to make your own way. And so that is the ploy of the enemy. And and, and you can read about it in, in uh, Genesis chapter 3. His, his first slandering of God is found in Genesis chapter 3. The story of, of, uh, of Eve in the Garden of Eden when the enemy comes. Because all God said to them, get, get hold of this. In the Garden of Eden, there was only one commandment. That's all. Not ten. Just one. See that tree? Knowledge of good and evil? Don't eat the fruit of it. That's all. One, one commandment. You can do anything else you like. You can eat anything else you like. Just that tree there. Just don't eat it. That's all. How many think that's a pretty simple rule how many of you think yep yeah, that's one rule that's all wow okay what i can do anything i like yep yeah, just don't do that one and you know what the enemy comes along and slanders god hey what, what, what did god say well god said we can do anything we like but we're not supposed to eat that tree do you know why god said that and here it goes because god knows that when you eat that tree you'll become like him. And he doesn't want you to become like him. He wants to keep you low. He wants to keep you down. And so in Eve's mind, God's character was being slandered, but she didn't resist the temptation. She didn't fight back. She didn't say, no, hang on here. God made me. God created me. God wants to bless me. Look at what God's done. He's put this beautiful garden in for us. Look at the incredible, good-looking husband that he's given me. Man, he is so spectacular looking with that curly hair, with that Italian. I'm just just getting carried away there. Settle down. So so he's the seed of slander. The seed of slander the seed of slander. And once we start to doubt the character of God, obedience becomes difficult. Once we we start to think that God is not trustworthy or that God is not on our side or that God is trying to stop me from having the best life. God just wants me to be depressed. God just wants me to go to church all the time and just boring stuff soon as you start to interpret God as taking away your joy and thinking there's something else out there that's going to bring me more happiness then it's hard for you to obey God but when you believe the character of God that says God is out to make my life complete God is out to give me abundant life that God's primary desire for me is that my joy may be complete if you believe that obedience is easy if you don't believe it then obedience is incredibly difficult let me tell you the second thing and and this is where faith is so connected to obedience the two of them sort of they rub hands they they hold hands faith and obedience because Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And, and then it goes on and it says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I love that word reward. Everybody said God's a rewarder. God rewards you for seeking him. So again, you know, God's out to give, not take. God's out to bless you, not curse you. God's out to reward you. But you've got to believe that he is. You've got to have faith. The main reason why people find it difficult to obey is not just the, don't understand the character of God, but also lack of faith. And again, you know, these two things are related. They think their way is the best way. Other people's advice is the best advice. Can I just say to you that that's just, that's just abysmal, absolutely abysmal. Again, parenting lesson for your parents. When our kids were young, we'd sit them down and this is what we'd say to them would say, Steve, Dan, Christelle, if there's anyone in the world that wants your success, it's your mum and dad. Of the seven billion people on this planet, nobody wants you to be more successful than your mum and dad. We are your biggest champions. There is nobody on this planet that wants you more successful. So whatever we say to you is only with this motivation For you to have the best life. We don't want anything else for you but the best life. And so the advice we give you is for this. But let me warn you that we can't be with you 24 7, seven days a week. We just can't be with you that. And there will be opportunities where your friends will come to you and say, hey, let's do this. And your thought will be, my mom and dad said this is not a good thing to do. But your friends will say, hey, Your mum and dad are just old fuddy-duddies. What would they know anyway? We're your friends. We'll show you the good time, the good life. That's where you have to make a decision as to whether your parents are for you or your friends are for you. I says, at that time, I want you to remember this conversation. That our advice is only for your best. And nobody on this planet wants your best more than we do. And that's where you need to say to your friends, no, I'm going to trust my parents on this one. You know what? That's exactly the way that God is with us. When he gives us something and the temptation is where the enemy comes or other people come and say, why would you do that? Why would you obey God? Why would you? You've got to say, no, God's for me. And that's where faith comes in. It's like, hang on here, I don't get it. No, you don't because you haven't lived as long as God. He's lived longer than 120 years. He's lived longer than 1,000 years. He's he's very, very old. (laughs) Very, very. You think I'm old? God's a lot older than I am. And because he's old, the other thing is that his full of wisdom, and full of knowledge. And when he imparts it to us, it's not to detract or to minimize, but to increase, to increase. And that's where faith has got to come in. Faith has got to come in. And and faith is always, I don't get it. No, you don't. And there's many opportunities for you not to get it. But if you say, I don't get it, but God does, And if God is saying it, that's good enough for me. That's faith right there. Right there. Let let me get my calculator out. Okay. It does not compute. But hang on. God said it. My calculator. And so you had an opportunity there where you're going to either trust your calculator or trust God. And too many people put more faith in their calculator than God. A long time ago, I I stopped asking the question, can I afford something? Because more often than not, I could, but it still didn't make it right. And then many times, I couldn't, but it was right. So I stopped asking the question, can I afford it? Now my question is, God, are you in it? And if God's in it, I can afford it. If God's not in it, I can't afford it. And that's something that you've got to decide. And that's faith right there. That's faith right there. I never, I never launch into a venture just doing my... No, you know, let me tell you something. I do my maths. I do my sums. I get insight and information. But I don't give that the last word. See, too many people give the maths, the science... The, the, the earthly equations, the last word. Now, do all of that, but don't give that the last word. Give God the last word, because that's where faith is. God, what do you say? Because you've got the last word. Because so many times you do the maths and it works out. So, oh, yeah, 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 that's the last word. No, God's the last word. And if you do that, that's faith right there. That's faith right there. So let me give you a few principles that will help you get stronger faith. Can I give you some principles that will help you get stronger faith? Okay, number one, God wants you to be successful. you got to get this into your spirit. Come on. Everybody say it with me. God wants me to be successful. Turn to the person next to you and say, God wants you to be successful. You can't have faith if you don't believe this. If you think for one minute that God wants you to fail, if you think for one minute that God wants you suppressed, then you're going to find your own way through life rather than God's way. But if you believe that God wants you to be successful, then you're always saying, okay, God, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? See, my kids, my kids do that these days. Now that they're getting older, before they make a decision, say, hey, Dad, what do you think? Because they want to hear Because they've learned, you know what? The only advice my dad would ever give me is advice that will make me successful. Because my success is his success. And can I just say to you, your success is God's success. And so let me give you the second principle. All of God's principles will help you be successful. There's not one thing in this book that will stop you being successful. But every time you break one of God's principles, you minimize your success. So all, everything that's written here is written for your success. The third thing is God's on your side. He is totally trustworthy. God is, I want everybody to say, God is trustworthy. He's on your side. He is trustworthy. You can trust Him. He is totally trustworthy. Nobody else is as trustworthy as God. You can trust Him. He'll never let you down. You, you can trust Him. And the fourth principle is that this book is the manufacturer's handbook? I love this. It's the manufacturer's handbook. See again, you know, I, I've got very simple belief systems. I'm a simple man with simple beliefs. You say, tell me about you, yourself, simple man. Okay, I'll tell you. I'm not a simpleton, I'm a simple man. And simple man, I just believe that God made me. How simple is that? Oh yeah, yeah but you're not intelligent enough to believe what we believe. Actually when you get incredibly intelligent, then you work out very simple principle. Where there's design, there's a designer. Just intelligent people have worked that one out. So if you haven't worked that one out yet, you'll get there one day. That wherever there's design, there is a designer. How many of you like my watch? Yeah. Very, very nice. That's a this watch here. Matter of fact... It, the bands come off. Can you believe it's got clips on the inside and the bands come off and I've got another, I've got a black band, I've got a white band, I've got a yellow band, I've got a brown band. I colour coordinate my clothes with the watch bands of this watch. Not only that, but it tells me the time. I know that it's an added feature of a watch. It's not just a, uh, a, a, uh, an ornament Uh, for fashion it also tells me the time how many of you understand that i was working in the garden the other day and i actually found this in the garden yeah it had been there for millions of years just all the parts coming together then i worked in another part of the garden and i found exactly the matching band that connects into this hole with the spring and everything and then another part of the garden, I found the other color matching bands. How many of you believe that story? What's the matter with you? I'm telling you the truth, and you don't believe me? <laughs> see, when you see design like this, you automatically say where there's design, there's a designer. And can I just say to you that this body is so much more complicated than this. And for anybody to deceive you into saying this just happened is ludicrous. Where there's a design, there is a designer. And so what we say is this. The designer manufactured us and wrote the instructions in the manufacturer's handbook and so this Bible tells us how we operate. You want to know how we operate better? It's found in here. You want to know how to solve your problems? It's found in here. The manufacturer has written it. And so that faith for me is just that simple. I'm a simple man with simple beliefs. Don't complicate the simplicity of it. Of where there is a designer, there is a designer. And with the designer comes the instruction book on how you operate. And that, simply, my friends, is faith right there. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Well, my time is up. Tim's coming to play the piano that says my time is up. But you know what? I just so pray for your success. I so pray that that your life could be the best life. That everything that you do might be the God plan for you. and That you don't fall over into sin and fall over into just the rubbish that the enemy wants to put into your life. Because that will lead you to failure. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve found. Their failure wasn't God's plan. Their failure was the devil's plan. And he rejoices in your failure. God grieves over it. He rejoices. You know why he rejoices in your failure? Because he knows how much it hurts the heart of God. And his only ambition in life is to hurt God. And he knows that by hurting you, he can hurt God. But you just got to say, I'm going to shut my ears to the devil. I'm going to shut my ears to all that deception. I'm going to open my ears to the God who loves me. The God who loved me so much that he gave his only son to die on the cross for my sins. That's the love of God. Greater love has no man than this. And he's willing to lay down his life for another. Would you listen to him? Would you obey him? Would you put your faith in him? Because if you do your life will be transformed. Come on, this morning, some of you, you've made some decisions that are not great decisions. Some of you have made decisions that are contrary to the word of God. You've made decisions where you've been deceived into thinking, oh yeah, this is a great decision, but it's not a God decision. Well, it's time to repent. It's time to say, God, I'm sorry. And As soon as you say, God, I'm sorry, his ear is open. Repentance attracts the attention of God like nothing else. And as soon as you're willing to say, God, I'm sorry. Thank you for paying the price for my sin by sending your son to die upon the cross, shedding his blood. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me. In an instant, forgiveness comes your way. The gift of grace comes your way. Salvation comes your way. It's God's desire of putting you on the road to success. Come on, today. It's time to get right with God. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thanks for listening to this message from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.